This is the Locked On Aggies podcast. I'm your host, Taylor Travis, the Locked On Aggies podcast, your daily source for everything Texas A&M athletics and a part of the Locked On podcast network, your team every day. If you're not already following the show on Twitter, I would recommend you do so at Locked On Aggies. That's at Locked On Aggies. You can also follow my personal Twitter at TaylorTravis15. That's at Locked On Aggies, at TaylorTravis15. You can also like Locked On Aggies on Facebook. Just enter on the search tab, Locked On Aggies. It'll pop right up. Click on it, click like, and you will see all of our episodes posted there, as well as some news and notes around the Texas A&M athletic programs. Again, at Locked On Aggies on Twitter, at TaylorTravis15, and also Locked On Aggies on Facebook. If you ever have a mailbag question, you can always email that to LockedOnAggies at gmail.com, or you can DM LockedOnAggies or myself on Twitter. Again, that's at TaylorTravis15 or at LockedOnAggies. If this is your first time listening, first of all, welcome. I appreciate new listeners. Uh, It's always fun to watch our audience grow. But if you're a new listener, you're probably wondering who I am and what makes me qualified to talk about Texas A&M athletics. Well, I'm a sports radio host. I'm a swing host on Sports Radio 1150 in the zone 102.7 FM. I'm also a reporter there. I'm a producer there. And I'm also the afternoon sports anchor on News Talk 1620 WTAW and College Station as well. So I've been covering Texas A&M. I've been talking about them for a living pretty much for the last five years or so. And I've went to A&M and I've been a Texas A&M fan for my whole life. So I'm pretty knowledgeable about Texas A&M football. That being said, I'm very excited to bring you Locked On Aggies. It's my privilege. I was really excited when I got that phone call, that opportunity to host this show And it definitely makes me excited to see the audience grow. So again, if you're a new listener, welcome. I appreciate you. I hope you hang along the rest of the way with me on Locked On Aggies. Looking back on last week, Texas A&M, Arkansas. Texas A&M beat Arkansas barely 24-17. And I've been thinking a lot about this game because if you remember last week, I said all week long, I think the game's going to be a little bit closer than people think for about a half or maybe two and a half quarters. And then Texas A&M would run away with it just because Texas A&M clearly on paper and just with the eye test, the better team, right? Well, Texas A&M got off to a hot start. They went up 17-0. At that point, I thought, okay, maybe I was wrong. Maybe Texas A&M is ready to play. Maybe Arkansas is really as bad or worse than I thought. But after that, Arkansas kind of inched back into the game. Texas A&M had opportunities to put the game away. They missed a couple short field goals. Seth Small, the true freshman kicker, uh, replacing Daniel LaCamera, who's out with a foot injury. Uh, It was really his first time he hasn't looked good. He looked really good against Alabama. He kicked that 50-plus yarder right down the middle. Uh, You know, bad games are going to happen. Again, he's a true freshman. I'm not too worried about that long term. But Texas A&M missed plenty of opportunities to put the game away. Kellamond had the worst game. uh, I don't want to say his career, but of course the season early on. Um, But the more I think about this game, the worse it gets for me. Because I thought this Texas A&M team under Jimbo Fisher would have that killer instinct that the Kevin Sumlin teams didn't. I thought Texas A&M would have no problems putting Arkansas away, considering, one, the talent level, how much better Texas A&M is, and the Jimbo Fisher effect. I mean, you have Jimbo Fisher on the sideline, a guy who preaches every day, keep your foot on the gas, play till the final whistle, and just finish your opponent. That's what he preaches, right? Well, Texas A&M didn't do that. And I don't know if I'm concerned or if I'm just more cut off guard by the way that game finished, because I think down the road, that's going to be a learning experience for Texas A&M. I know Jimbo Fisher preaches that a lot as well. I just don't really know my level of concern. Because I'm thinking, you know, Texas A&M shouldn't have ever been that situation with Arkansas, because Arkansas is really that bad. Is Texas A&M maybe not as good as we thought? 
it's just some food for thought for you. It's something that I've been thinking about. I can't really decide where I stand. Honestly, I think Texas A&M's can be just fine. I still th- see this team winning eight games. I think they have an outside chance at nine. Really anything, seven, eight, nine wouldn't surprise me. I think eight's the most likely outcome. Uh, I think seven's probably more likely than nine, but you look at the teams coming up on the Texas A&M schedule, you have teams like Mississippi State, who doesn't look as strong as we thought. South Carolina, who many people thought would contend for the SEC title. They don't look as strong as we thought. You still have UAB, which is a cupcake. But at the same time, you also have a couple teams who look a lot better than people thought at the beginning of the season. Um, You have Kentucky coming up on Saturday, who looks really good. Benny Snell, who I think has emerged as the best running back in the country. Definitely the best running back in the SEC. A really good offensive line he's been running behind. That defense has been playing really well also. Kentucky is no joke. They're ranked 13th in the country. 13th. This isn't basketball. This is football. It's hard to believe, but Mark Stoops has done a really good job with that Kentucky football team. He has a lot of talent on that roster, and they're a team that I think can legitimately win 10 games this season, just from what I've seen so far. That's going to be a really hard game for Texas A&M on Saturday. Now, they do have them at home. They have them at Kyle Field. It's a night game, 6 o'clock. Texas A&M opened on Monday as a a 6.5-point favorite. As of last night, Monday night, Texas A&M is only a 5-point favorite. So we're already seeing that spread change a little bit. I think by the end of the week, we'll see Texas A&M as a a 3.5 or 4-point favorite. I think a lot of money is coming in on Kentucky, and they're going to try to sway that. But Texas A&M has a really tough test ahead of them on Saturday. Who saw that coming? You also still have LSU on the schedule. LSU is a team who... I thought it was going to go 7-5, and 6-6. Six and six. I was never sold on Ed Orgeron. I thought that offense was going to be really, really bad. And I expected good things from the defense, but I just didn't think LSU would be able to score. I should have known Joe Burrow would come in and do a great job. I mean, look at the quarterbacks. Urban Meyer has recruited Ohio State over the last several years. Joe Burrow transferred from Ohio State, went to LSU, and he's done a really fine job at quarterback for the Tigers so far. And all of a sudden... LSU is another top 10 team in the country that Texas A&M is probably going to take on, assuming LSU can maintain that top 10 ranking by the end of the year, which is a tough task, but I think they're definitely capable. But I owe an apology to Ed Orgeron. I really wasn't a believer. I loved him as a man. I think he's one of the most entertaining coaches in college football, on the short list at least. I mean, you have Mike Leach, you have Harbaugh at Michigan, and then Ed Orgeron's right there, probably at number three. But I wasn't a believer in him as the head coach at LSU. I thought LSU made a poor choice retaining him after they fired Les Miles. But the players bought in right away. They really did. You could see it. The players just bought in. They love Ed Orgeron. And the results are showing. I mean, he's having a really successful year this year. you got to give him credit. But my point is, it's really a mystery how Texas A&M will do down the stretch. There's so many question marks surrounding all those teams. I mean, Mississippi State especially. The talent's there. There's no doubt about that, but they haven't been playing like it so far. There's just so many question marks left. Seven wins, eight wins, nine wins. What's it going to be? I say eight. I still think it's eight. Here in a little bit, Texas A&M had their weekly press conference yesterday. We're going to talk a little bit about that. Jimbo Fisher had some nuggets for us. Uh, A key injury that he revealed. A key player for Texas A&M is going to be out for an extended period. He didn't really give a timetable, but... What it sounded like to me was it's going to be an extended period. I might not expect to see him back on the field anytime soon. He also commented on that really stupid, stupid controversy surrounding him grabbing Tyrell Dotson's face mask. We hit on that just a little bit yesterday, but 
I mean, I can't say enough about how stupid it is, right? It's the most overblown thing I've seen in a long time. People are just so soft these days. I mean, he grabbed his face mask trying to get his attention, and people freak out. I really don't get it. But Jimbo Fisher, of course, had a comment on that. We'll play that for you here in just a little bit. But before we get to that, oh, we also have a mailbag question, too, for you. I had a listener, Mike, email LockedOnAggies at gmail.com, and he had a question for me, so I will address that right after I tell you about Vivid Seats. You know, it's a great time of year. College football's in full swing. The NFL's getting started, and it's time for the MLB playoffs. NBA's about to get started. It's that time of year where everything kind of merges together. And what I'm going to do this year, I'm going to go to a playoff game. I'm going to an MLB playoff game. I'm a big Astros fan. I didn't do it last year. I goofed big time. I regretted it because they were World Series champs. But this year, I'm going to do it. And there's only one place where I'm going to buy my tickets, and that's Vivid Seats. Vivid Seats is my go-to place. And the reason why, they have a 100% buyer guarantee. That's right. Your tickets are 100% guaranteed, and it gets better. Vivid Seats has an exclusive offer for you my listener. What you do is you go to the App Store or Google Play and you download the Vivid Seats app. Now, after that, you open the app and you enter promo code LOCKED ON. What does that give you? Well, it gives you $20 off orders of $200 or more as a new customer of Vivid Seats. That's right, $20 off orders of $200 or more for new customers only. It's really that simple. Download the Vivid Seats app. Enter promo code locked on, and there you go. $20 off orders of $200 or more. And again, it gets better. A 100% buyer guarantee from the biggest concerts, the biggest games, even the hottest theater, and more. Vivid Seats has it all. So download the app, enter promo code locked on for $20 off orders of $200 or more as a new customer of Vivid Seats. Make a memory that lasts a lifetime and let Vivid Seats help you get to your favorite live event like they've helped me get to mine time and time again. Once again, go to the App Store, download the Vivid Seats app, and enter promo code Locked On for $20 off orders of $200 or more as a new customer of Vivid Seats. You're listening to the Locked On Aggies podcast. Locked On Aggies, your daily source for everything Texas A&M athletics. I'm your host, Taylor Travis, a part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. We have a mailbag question that I want to get to from Mike. I always appreciate listener interaction at, at any time. If you have a question for the show, if you have a question for me about anything Texas A&M athletics related, it doesn't even have to be football. If it's basketball, baseball, soccer, volleyball, I'll try my best to answer that. But there's a couple different ways you can do that. You can either email the show, LockedOnAggies at gmail.com, LockedOnAggies at gmail.com, or you can tweet the show at LockedOnAggies. You can DM the show on the Twitter as well, or you can tweet at me at TaylorTravis15. It's your choice. Three different ways to do that. I respond to all three really quickly. I check it often. And if you ask a good question, there's a really good chance that I will read that question on air and try to answer it for you here on the Locked On Aggies podcast. So again, every interaction from every listener is welcomed. It's encouraged. Makes the show go by easier for me. And I'm sure it's a lot more fun for you as well to hear from fellow fans of Texas A&M. So the mailbag question this week was from Mike. And Mike asked me, again, Mike, I appreciate the question. Mike asked me, is Kellen Mond in any danger of losing his starting job after that poor performance against Arkansas, considering we have a really good backup behind him in Nick Starkle, who has plenty of starting experience? Now, Mike, you're not the only person to ask me this. I had a couple people ask me this after the game on Saturday, and I'll tell you the same thing I told them. No, absolutely not. No way. I don't think he's in any danger 
Look, okay, you have to keep a couple things in mind. Number one, Kellen Mond's a sophomore. He's a true sophomore. He's still really young. There's still going to be growing pains there. Jimbo Fisher knows that. I know that. I think most fans realize that as well. He had one bad game. He played really well against Clemson. I think all things considered, even though the stat line doesn't really show it, he had a really good game against Alabama. And of course, he had big games against Louisiana Monroe and Northwestern State. So he's had one bad game out of five. That's not really concerning to me. Now, I know Arkansas's pass defense is pretty poor overall, and you would think Kellen Mond would be able to pick them apart. For whatever reason, he was just a little bit off on Saturday. I don't know if it was the 11 a.m. start. I don't know if he was maybe suffering from that Alabama hangover that we've talked about. But he was a little off. And, I mean, he looked really bad. I'll admit that, too. I'm a big Kellamon fan, but he looked really bad. But to answer your question, I don't think he's in any danger of losing his starting job. Because, one, like I said, he's a sophomore. Jimbo Fisher knows that there's going to be growing pains along the way. But two, and this is why I said over the offseason, whenever I believe that Kellamon will be the starter, I think Kellamon gives you a better chance at winning in the SEC. What I mean by that is Texas A&M has a really poor offensive line overall. There's no denying that. They have a really poor offensive line. And in the SEC, you're going up against front sevens who are among the best in college football. They can put pressure on the quarterback. What Kellamon does that Nick Starkle can't, he can extend the play. He can roll out of the pocket. He can buy himself time. He can also tuck it and run when he needs to, pick up the first down. Nick Starkle, he's not completely immobile. We've seen him scramble and pick up seven, eight, nine yards before, but he can't really extend the play like Kellamon can. So when you have a guy like Kellamon who can extend that play, who can buy you one or two more seconds and allow his receivers to get open, it brings a whole new dynamic to that offense. And it gives Texas A&M a much better chance to win football games in the SEC than if you were to have a Nick Starkle. Now, you might argue that Nick Starkle is a more accurate passer and that will kind of even things out. I will say this. What I have heard on the inside from sources within the program during the offseason is that Kellamon's accuracy improved so much that it was really on par with Nick Starkle. Nick Starkle never really took that big leap that we saw Kellamon take. He did improve a little bit, but Kellamon improved so much that he eventually just passed him up. It's as simple as that. But to answer your question, no, I don't think his job's in danger. Now, if he has two or three bad weeks like this in a row, will Jimbo Fisher consider making a change? Maybe. Probably. But right now, no. Not in any danger. I don't think Jimbo Fisher would even consider it for half a second, to be honest with you. But again, thanks for the question, Mike. I appreciate it. Again, if you ever have a question for the show, you can email LockedOnAggies at gmail.com or you can tweet the show at LockedOnAggies or you can tweet me at Taylor Travis 15. So the Texas A&M football team had their weekly press conference yesterday, and Jimbo Fisher revealed that there is an injury to a really key player on that Texas A&M team, and that player is wide receiver Jamon Osmond, the sophomore, who I thought would take a big step up this season, who a lot of people thought would take that big step, was by far the most experienced receiver on that roster, and being a former high school teammate of Kellen Mond, I thought they would kind of have that connection, and he would emerge as that go-to guy on third downs and big situations, but he hasn't really emerged as that guy yet. He never really did this year. Now, this is making me wonder if he had an injury all along that he was playing through and eventually got to the point where he couldn't play on it. I don't know. That's a possibility, but let's hear what Jimbo Fisher said about the wide receiver during yesterday's press conference. No, Jamon had surgery on his foot. He broke that little fifth outside bone. He'll be out for a little while. I, I, I can't. I don't, it just depends on how he heals, Ben. I, I, I don't, you know, it could be three or four weeks. could be just all on how the bone heals. 
So Jimbo Fisher revealing that Jamon Osman, the sophomore wide receiver, not only injured, he had surgery on that injured foot. He's going to be out for an extended period of time. He didn't sound too confident when he was asked how long he'll be out. He said he doesn't know, but I have a feeling it's going to be for an extended period of time, probably maybe the remainder of the season, because that foot injury is tough for a wide receiver to overcome, considering wide receivers do so much cutting and planning and sprinting on that foot. It's a really tough injury for him. And Jamon Osmond's a guy who, coming into the year, he needed to have a big year. Because you look at that depth chart wide receiver. We touched on this just a little bit yesterday. I'm going to touch on it again. But looking on the, looking at the depth chart at wide receiver, there's no juniors, there's no seniors. It's all sophomores and freshmen. There's a lot of inexperience on that depth chart at wide receiver. And to me, the two biggest question marks coming into the year, really the three biggest question marks, offensive line, secondary, and wide receiver. And it seems like a lot of people kind of overlooked that big question mark at receiver going into the season. But I looked at that depth chart. I saw Jamon Osmond. I considered him a sure thing as far as uh, contributors go. After that, it was just a bunch of question marks. But Jamon Osmond, I mean, look what he did last year. He had a great freshman year campaign. 50 catches, 571 yards, and three touchdowns as a freshman. That's alongside Christian Kirk. That's alongside a very improved Damian Ratley that we saw last year. So he definitely had his opportunities to get open. He wasn't going one-on-one with the team's top corners very often. But again, you look at that stat line, you watch him play last year, you have every reason to be excited about him this year. And Texas A&M needed him badly because they needed that guy who Texas A&M could go to when they're in a big situation, like a third and seven, a fourth and seven, having to go for it late in the game. And you need that receiver you can throw the ball to in a one-on-one situation you can trust to come down with it. And Jamon Osmond this year hasn't really been that guy. Now, he was the leading receiver going into the Arkansas game. Since then, Cam Buckley passed him up. But his stats so far this year, they're not bad. They're not bad by any means, okay? 15 catches, 221 yards, no touchdowns. He's averaging just over 14 yards per catch. They're not bad, but they're not, they don't stand out is what I'm trying to say. Texas A&M needed Jamon Ospin to stand out, and he hasn't done that so far this year. You look at the Arkansas game, he had three targets. One was caught, two were dropped. And when I say dropped, it wasn't a tough catch by any means. They hit him right in the chest. He just dropped him. Just a really poor performance. Now I see that maybe he was dealing with that injury. Maybe that was slowing him up a little bit. Maybe that was hampering him. So I don't want to be too hard on him now that I know that. But the point remains the same. Texas A&M needed Jamon Osmond in the worst way. And he wasn't stepping up how he should have been early in the year. And now that he's out with an injury, who's going to step up in his place? Is it going to be Cam Buckley, who I'm a big fan of? Is it going to be Kendrick Rogers, who really broke out against Clemson? Hasn't done a whole lot since. Is it going to be a guy like Hezekiah Jones, who caught three big passes against Arkansas? Will Rashad Paul step up? I don't know who it's going to be. Because I look at all those guys, and they're good receivers. But you don't really see that highlight, clear-cut, wide receiver one like we thought we saw on Jamon Osmond. Texas A&M needs somebody to step up, and they need them to step up badly. And it's going to be crucial down the stretch in SEC play for somebody to step up as a playmaker. Who's it going to be? I don't know. We'll find out. Here in just a little bit, I'm going to touch on the Jimbo Fisher grabbing Tyrell Dotson's face mask thing one more time before I put it to rest. Because like I said, it's the stupidest thing ever that people are freaking out about it. But I'm going to touch on it because it's the hot topic right now. And Jimbo Fisher did comment on it yesterday during the press conference. But before we get to that, 
It's NBA season. Like I said before, NBA preseason starting. The regular season's just around the corner. It should be a wild year, especially in the Western Conference. But you're listening to Locked On Aggies. You keep hearing about the Locked On Podcast Network. If you haven't branched out, you're missing out. And if you're an NBA fan, the Locked On Podcast Network has a show for every team in the NBA. I'm a big Houston Rockets fan. I listen to Locked On Rockets all the time with Ben DeBose. I love it. My buddy's a big Mavericks fan. He listens to Locked On Mavericks. He enjoys it as well. If you're a Lakers fan, there's Locked On Lakers. If you're a Spurs fan, there's Locked On Spurs. If you're a Bulls fan, there's Locked On Bulls. No matter what your team is in the NBA, there's a podcast for it. All you got to do is go to Apple Podcasts, go to Spotify, go to Stitcher. Just search Locked On, insert your team. It'll pop up. It's a great listen. Every single one of the hosts on the Locked On Podcast Network are very knowledgeable. I consider them experts. They have great shows. I strongly recommend it if you're an NBA fan or if you're a fan of a specific team in general. You can't go wrong with Locked On Podcast Network. The Locked On NBA Podcast, a part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. You're listening to the Locked On Aggies Podcast, your daily source of everything Texas A&M Athletics. I'm Taylor Travis. I'm your host. A part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Now on tomorrow's show, we're going to break down the Kentucky game a little bit more. A Kentucky game that caught interesting really fast. Kentucky coming into Kyle Field ranked 13th in the country with arguably the best running back in the country in Benny Snell. I can't wait to break that one down more as the week goes on. Also, this came across the news yesterday. We need to hit on this a little bit. The Texas A&M South Carolina game that's going to be taking place on October 13th. That's next Saturday in Columbia. It's going to start at 2.30 on SEC Network. So an afternoon game against South Carolina against the bitter rival South Carolina Gamecocks. I say that tongue-in-cheek sarcastically because South Carolina is the uh, kind of rival that the SEC forced on Texas A&M, the permanent cross-division rival. Uh, I think they have a trophy for that, which is just ridiculous. But again, Texas A&M South Carolina, October 13th, 2.30, SEC Network from Columbia. Should be a fun matchup, but before we wrap things up, I want to touch on this just a little bit because I feel like I kind of have to. It's the hot topic right now that everybody's talking about. Jimbo Fisher during Saturday's game against Arkansas. Tyrell Dotson got into a little scuffle on the field, and when he came off the field, Jimbo Fisher grabbed his face mask, yelled at him, kind of jerked it a little bit, and then that was it. But everybody freaked out saying Jimbo Fisher doesn't have the right to do that. He shouldn't be putting his hands on players. Uh, you know, blah, 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 whatever. I-, I hated it. People are so soft. But let's hear what Jimbo Fisher had to say. Again, all audio that we play on the show is courtesy of WTAW. But let's hear what Jimbo Fisher had to say about that uh, during yesterday's press conference. Listen, I was trying to get a young man's attention. That's all we were doing. I didn't grab it. I didn't jerk it. And to keep him from trying to make a, it was an emotional, football's an emotional game. He was caught up in the emotions of the game and trying to get him to shook up. Listen, he and I have a relationship that's second to none. We, he's my unity council guy. He's a guy that's in my office once or twice a week as I discuss problems with our team, the way we're going to do things. And he understood exactly because I told him, I said, I can't lose you. You're our team leader. You're our team captain. You're our leading tackler. You're our, I mean, you call all the signals. You do everything. And I was just trying to get his attention. To get his attention, to keep him back in the game and not make a critical mistake and lose him in the game, you know, in a second. I was not trying to berate him. And if you look at the film, when I did it, I pushed him. I tapped him right on the head. And I said, now, we can't have you out of here, buddy. We got to keep you in this game. And we go. And I turned and walked away. So no apology from Jimbo Fisher. No apology warranted, in my opinion. Again, all that overreaction over that was one of the stupidest things I've seen in a long time. People made a mountain out of a molehill. Uh, you knew it would happen this day and age, though. As soon as I saw that, 
come up on the TV screen, I thought, oh boy, here we go. And sure enough, it took five seconds for that to be all over social media. But for the most part, and even some of the reactions from the recruits have been buried pretty positive. I mean, the recruits know what they're getting into when they play for Jimbo Fisher. He's a tough guy. He's old school. He's a big, tough love kind of guy. You know, he's going to tell you how it is. He's going to yell at you. He'll scream at you. He'll crap your face mask when you feel like when he feels like he needs to. It's just as simple as that. That's the type of coach Jimbo Fisher is. And for all the people out there who have said that's going to hurt recruiting, no, it's not the case. It's not going to hurt recruiting at all. If anything, I think it's going to help. What Jimbo Fisher did, I have no problem with. I think the majority of people have no problem with. But there are certain people out there who freaked out, and those people are soft. They're soft. On tomorrow's show, like I said before, we're going to break down the Kentucky game a little bit more. I'm really looking forward to getting into this game because believe it or not, I mean, I looked up, Kentucky's ranked 13th in the country, and rightfully so. They have good wins over Florida, over Mississippi State, over South Carolina. Uh, They have arguably the best running back in the country in Benny Snell. Their offensive line has been really good. Their defense has been really good. Mark Stoops has done an absolutely fantastic job with that Kentucky program, so I can't wait to get more into that. But until then, you've been listening to the Locked On Aggies podcast. I'm your host, Taylor Travis. Locked On Aggies, your daily source for everything Texas A&M athletics. A part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day.